Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, I look around out here this morning and I see all these masked faces. It's good to see what I can of you. Uh, All the empty seats, right? And so sometimes I just sit and say, well, how in the world did we get to this? Do you know what I mean? I mean, and in the overall scheme of things, it hasn't been very long. Really, for us in Massachusetts, it's only been about four and a half months that this has been going on. It's, a, it's longer than that from the, the, the world scene and, uh, and in, the, in the country. Let me just, I, I, I'm going to tell you how we got here, okay? So we go back to December 31st, the last day of last year. And the uh, CDC became aware that there were some strange cases in China. On January 5th, the World Health Organization reported a pneumonia of unknown cause in Wuhan, China. But they advised against travel or trade restrictions at that time. On January 14th, the the World Health Organization held a press briefing, briefing stating that their information suggested a small possibility of limited but not sustained human-to-human transmission. So don't worry, this isn't going to go anywhere from anybody. On January 20th, both the World Health Organization and the Chinese government announced the confirmation that human-to-human transmission of the coronavirus had already occurred. The next day, January 21st, a man who had returned from Wuhan, China, was hospitalized for the virus in Washington State. A few days later, another case was reported in Chicago by a woman who had just returned from Wuhan, and a third case was confirmed a day later in Orange County, California. On the last day of January, the United States declared a public health emergency and imposed a mandatory 14-day quarantine for any U.S. citizens who had visited the specific province in China within the preceding two weeks. Also began denying entry of non-U.S. nationals who had traveled to China within the preceding two weeks. This is a really, really big deal because uh, there had been no such travel restrictions for more than 50 years. Now, on February 3rd, the World Health Organization said that there was no need for measures that unnecessarily interfere with international travel and trade. And that the virus's spread was very minimal and slow. Now, obviously, that one was inaccurate, right? Because what was really happening is the virus was spreading rapidly around the world. On February 26th, Vice President Mike Pence was appointed to lead the Coronavirus Task Force. And by the end of February, it's hard to even imagine this, numbers. By the end of February, the first four deaths, first four deaths from the virus in the United States have been recorded. Only four by the end of February. And now we are standing at over 142,000 deaths in our country and over 600,000 deaths worldwide. Now, where this really begins a little more hardcore for us, on March 10th, here in Massachusetts, Governor Baker declared a state of emergency as the number of cases doubled overnight to 92. And we went to this declaration of emergency on Sunday, March 15th. That was the first Sunday that we, at that point, voluntarily chose not to have services. They hadn't 
out, said you can't do them anymore, but we decided not to in the sense of wanting to be good neighbors. Uh, that day, the CDC recommended no gatherings of 50 or more. And in, in Massachusetts, the same day, they set the number at 25. And, and that's when we began this extensive lockdown of schools, businesses, churches, everything public. Seems like it's been a long time, doesn't it? And here we are today, July 19th, thankfully in phase three, right, of a slow reopening. And I got to say, I, I was so encouraged uh, that the governor and those who work with him at the very first phase of opening said churches can reopen, right? I mean, they, because that hasn't happened everywhere in our country. But anyway, so it did here, but with very significant restrictions still in place. We're limited to 40% capacity and everybody has to wear masks. And, and, and so we're phase three, but there's no phase four coming until they, there's a vaccine that prevents the virus and medicines that treat the virus. And in perfect case scenario, this might happen sometime around the new year or shortly after, might. Uh, but no guarantees there. And government officials for quite some time now have regularly been using the terminology, the new normal. You know, seeming to send signals that even phase four will not be like life was before. So, the new normal has affected our church. You know, I mean, Dave talking about some of the ways that it's affected our church and people, affected our church, affects churches like ours in very, very significant ways. Our attendance is hugely down. We are really trending at just under half of what we were before the virus. Uh, ministries we've had to stop, can't do. Children's ministries, other ministries. Our giving is down significantly, and as Dave always says, we are so grateful to everybody who, who gives. We really, really are, and I don't even know who you are, uh, but you give, but our offerings are way down. I mean, we're scraping by. Is that safe to say, Dave? We're scraping by, okay? And thankfully, we've been able to keep supporting all of our missionaries. That's a great blessing. A fellowship has certainly been hindered, right? I mean. The, the fellowship that used to occur multiple times in multiple places every week is, is way down. Everything related, all these things are way down. See, we haven't been able to do the things that a church is supposed to do. Um, and the people in the church have been prevented from serving and inter interacting with each other, right? All that's been so very limited. And... Um, the, the, the thing is, is that you know, we start off feeling like, okay, right? We, we want to slow the, the curve or stretch, you know, all that stuff. And this is going to be temporary, right? Well, we're getting to that point where it's not so temporary anymore, right? At least for the foreseeable future, things are going to be different. And it's possible that some things will never get back to the old normal. I mean, I'm hoping otherwise, right? I'm hoping, man, I'd like to go back just the way that things were, but we just need to be realistic. That may not happen. And, and certainly, it's not going to happen for the foreseeable future here, okay? So, so what, what are we supposed to do? What, what are churches supposed to do? What do we do? 
because there's things that we have to be doing. So we're, once again, the word of God is always so perfect, so amazing for us. We are not the first generation of Christians who found themselves living in a new normal under which they had to try to figure out what do we do, how do we do what we're supposed to do. Let's take our, our Bibles and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. The Bible there under the chairs is page 1255. So... Jesus has died, Jesus has risen. He's, he's spent 40 days with his disciples. They've been waiting, uh, as he told them, 10 more days. The Holy Spirit comes and indwells and empowers the church and a whole big exciting things happening. Peter's preaching to a huge crowd. We get down to verse 40, the end of this, the lead up to this, verse 40. And with many other words, he, Peter, testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. How, how many did they start with that day? Does anybody know? Well, there were 12 apostles, 120 were kind of been meeting in the upper room. There might have been as many as 500 around, because we read that number later when Paul's talking about it. But anyway, th that's, that's a, a monumental increase. What, if, if all of a sudden our church, we don't even have 120 people here today, but if, if we all of a sudden went to, we got 3,000 people who have come to Christ who we need to now minister to and disciple and help to grow and teach, would that mess our schedule up? And might, would it, might it inconvenience us? Right? I mean, it'd be an awesome thing. But things would not be normal. Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. All right, so let's, let's put this in perspective for us. This was not just people who lived in Jerusalem. There were people here all, from all over the world for this feast that they had come for, for Pentecost. And we see that, it talks about the, this place and this place, there's people there. And so a bunch of these people who have responded and, and received Christ, followed them in baptism and are now there, they don't live in Jerusalem. If, if you decided right now, hey, you, what's a safe city right now? I don't know. Some, some big city, and you decide to go there, and you're visiting there. You're on a trip. And now all of a sudden, you just stay there. There might be a few of you here who could afford to do that for a long time. Most of us couldn't, right? Most of us be running out of money real soon and trying to figure it out. Well, that was what's going on here. And so what do they do? The people who have possessions goods, they're selling them, they're and they're sharing with all these people. This is a new normal, right? And it isn't easy, and it isn't comfortable. But they believed it was what God wanted them to do. Continue reading. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. People are having to open up their houses. All these people. 
They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So this new normal, very exciting, right? Positive, hard, maybe, inconvenient hard, but man, this is cool. Look what God is doing. This is so exciting, right? And we know God wants us to do this new normal. But let's, let's hop over a couple chapters to chapter 8. See what the new normal becomes. Actually, we're going to look at the last, let's look at the last two verses of chapter 7. Stephen, one of the first deacons, is, was was testifying, he's being persecuted, he's being challenged, and now he's going to be killed. Verse 59. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell Asleep. Now, I don't know which of our deacons to uh, compare this to, right? But if, if one of our deacons got taken and, testified and they killed him, would that shock you? Wouldn't that create a huge wave of what? Through us, okay? And it goes on, chapter 8. Now Saul, who we know eventually comes to Christ, becomes the apostle Paul, but here he's not. He's against Christians. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. I think I'll wear my mask. Right? That's easy, isn't it? I'm not having to worry about getting dragged off to prison. This is a new normal, isn't it? Not a pleasant one, a hard one. But I want you to see something here. That the Christians who, their lives had been transformed as they received Christ and came to understand who he was and they're growing. Uh, their, Their lives have just been so transformed that even in this new normal Look at their response, verse four. Therefore, those who were scattered, they did have to leave, but they went everywhere doing what? Sharing the gospel. Let me tell you what we see. Now, from a, from a purely human standpoint, we might say, that doesn't make sense to do, right? You just fled persecution, why? Because of this gospel message. Now you've run, you've gone to a place to hide. I mean, an open sight, right? But you've gone someplace else. Just leave well enough alone. But they couldn't, could they? Because they, followers of Christ, followers of Jesus. Because we're followers of Christ, there's something we must do. And they did it. They shared the gospel. Even in that new place, even though theoretically, that could put them right back in the same situation they were in before. Now, uh, this is not, what we just read is not, the first time that God's people have had to deal with a really big new normal. So let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Jeremiah. Page 905 in the Bible that's there in the chairs. Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29, verse 4. This is a letter that's written to the people of God in captivity in Babylon. 
It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. So let's just stop right there for just a moment. So God's people, now they had been disobeying him. This is a judgment of God on them. And I am not equating saying to you the coronavirus is the judgment of God upon us. That's not my point. But I want you to see the situation they were in. Here they were, they've been taken captive, and, and this is a brutal thing that happened to them. In fact, I just read the psalm the other day. You know, one of the, the authors pouring out his heart to God about the, this terrible things that happened. And he talks about Babylon, and he says, you know, happy will be the person who will take your children and bash them upon the rocks. And that's, that's how, you know, hard this was, how terrible this was. And so now they've been carried away captive. They find themselves in this foreign land and, and we're here. And they weren't slaves like they, they were in Egypt or like we would think, they, but they were there. They were no longer in their country. That means they no longer had a temple. They no longer had most of their possessions. They no longer had the family house. They no longer had that job or what, right? They didn't have this. And especially this whole idea of how are we going to even do what God wants us to do? And second thing I want you to see here before we jump into that, God here, he says, I caused you to be carried away. I knew about this. <laughs> I know what's going on here. Do you think God has been caught by surprise by the coronavirus? No, we were caught by surprise by it, and, and we're reeling and trying to figure things out and keep our balance and, and figure out how to go forward. And, and so we've been in this temporary mode of just kind of hold. <laughs> but God knew what this was going on. I think we can take comfort in that and be challenged by that. And there, there are going to be things that have to change. We know that. And I can't help but think that maybe some of these things that have to change were things that God had wanted us to change for quite a while. And I, I can't tell you specifically what those are. All I'm saying is we need to be open, God working. Okay, he's not caught by surprise with this. All right, so he says, um, where, where did I go? I lost the page. All right, so God says, this is, I'm, this is a message to you who are in this new normal. What do I want you to do? Verse five, build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands. So let's just stop there for just a moment. What God is telling them here is I want you to get back about the business of the things that you ought to be doing. Okay, how do we do that? God tells them build houses. Okay, how do we do that? God tells them to, you know, plant their gardens and grow them up. He tells them to, you know, have their kids grow up and be married. And by the way, this new normal, we read a little farther down the passage, God says, oh, by the way, this is for the next 70 years. <laughs> so I, you know, if we get out of this in a year or two, we'll be really happy, won't we? But God says, give it, so, okay, oh, right, so he's told us what we're supposed to do. How do we do that? God didn't tell them specifically, he says, figure it out, right? I mean, he didn't say that, but that's the expectation. 
Okay, we're supposed to build houses. We're supposed to do this. How do we do this? We don't have the same resources. We don't have the same relationships. We... And so what, here, here's what I want you to, to it's sort of a core idea I want you to take with you here today. We see it here and it applies to our situation. And that's this. I really want to challenge you to embrace the new normal by devoting yourself to what God has given you to do and then do whatever it takes to accomplish it. If it's inconvenient, but you need to do it, do it. If it's hard, you need to do it. Right? What has God given you to do? We've had this, like I said, we've been kind of on pause, you know, going slow and just not going anywhere. And, and, and we're going to talk about it as a church today. But let me say this to you. Just take this in and file it away someplace, or maybe it'll speak directly to your heart right now. This is true, not just of the situation we're in as a church, but this is true when you have a tragedy in your life a crisis in your life, fallout of all sorts of problems in your life, and you're overwhelmed with your life, and you find yourself on hold, very much like we find ourselves on hold with the virus, right? In your own life, you find yourself on hold. Well, here's the deal. That, that's normal. That's not surprising. That's okay that you find yourself there, but guess what? You can't stay there. You have to get back on about the business of what does it mean for me to follow the Lord in my life. I have to live my life for the Lord. And sometimes that means you just got to let go of certain things that are out of your control and trust them to God. Okay? Well, we as a church need to do this same thing as a church. Um, we find ourselves in this new normal, just like God's people did in the past. And, but we have to understand this. So God is saying to them, here's what you're supposed to do. Well, has God told us what to do? Look. Right? See it on the wall? It's not just a banner to just take up space. He says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all the commands I have given you. So he's given us a mission as a church. Right, and so we need to understand this. As a Christian church, our mission is what? Not optional. Well, yeah, but there's this coronavirus thing. Yeah, I get that. We, we, we've been hit by that and, and going back and forth and trying to figure it out. But wait a minute, okay, so we see, we kind of got our bearings about us. Here's where we are. Here's what it looks like going forward. All right, we got to get back about that, okay? It's not optional. By the way, it never was, and we shouldn't treat it like it's optional. We shouldn't do that. Now, the question then becomes, you know, and this is what, what they were talking about is, okay, build the houses, plant the gardens, raise the kids. How do we do this? So guess what? Our question is what? This mission is not optional. We got things we need to do, so how do we do it? All right. Well, one thing I want you to understand is this, that um, the church needs to gather to be the church. It does. 
Now we'll talk about how do we do that? Maybe there's other ways, but we, we need to gather to be the church. Gathering is crucial to accomplish our mission. And why is that? Well, because from the very beginning, the, the very words that God chose for church. Now the English derivation comes from different places, okay? But the word in the scriptures for church, you've heard the word, ecclesia, but what it means is assembly. Assembly. And, and the root words of that, ek and kaleo, means that, that it's, it's for people who've been called out of someplace, but called out to what? To assemble and to be the assembly. What do assemblies do? They assemble, they gather, right? That is what assemblies do. Now this word uh, came right out of the Greek culture uh, because in the, in the Greek culture, the assembly, the, the, I mean, the Greeks gave us this concept of democracy, right? Now you're familiar with that not. <laughs> but it gave us that concept. And so what would happen in the, in the towns, cities, is they would call the Greek citizens together to come and be the assembly and where they would come and do the business of the town. And right New England town meetings are sort of that idea. Um, but anyway, so they came. Now, now, huge difference though between, you know what, I'm gonna take a parenthesis here. Can I do that? Okay, parentheses. One of the things that came out of the captivity, when God's people were there and they're trying to figure out how do we do what we're supposed to do, we are in a foreign land, we don't have Jerusalem, we don't have a temple, how are we going to maintain our beliefs and our practices? And, and most scholars believe that this is when the synagogue came into being. How are we going to do this? And so they began, you know, to, they would form synagogues so that they could come together and deal with these things. So but once you see the synagogue also becomes sort of a precursor to the church, okay? So we have two things coming together for, to, to, for the church as we see it in the scripture. One is this, the Greek uh, influence and this coming together and, and you know being a part and doing the business that we're supposed to do. And then we have the synagogue idea where they're coming together. They're, they're opening the word of God and talking about what does this mean and how do we live that out in these circumstances? Okay? And, and the Christian church is not exactly like either one of those. But we do have to assemble to be the church because that's the core thing <laughs> that's in the name itself. Okay, and but what we come together, we don't come together as a pure democracy uh, because we come together with a final authority over us, don't we? The Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God. And the Bible tells us that God has gifted people in the church. He's given people to the church. He's given pastors to the church. He's given people with all sorts of spiritual gifts, right? Uh, people who are very sensitive to, to what is God doing here? People who uh, are willing to serve and want to serve. How, how can I help? We got people like that. And we have people who say, hey, I've got some money here or I've got some resources. What, 
You know, how can I be a part of this? We have people who are just encouragers. They're looking and seeing who needs to be encouraged. And we, we have people who are um, just carers. Not carers, not terrors, carers who just, they're ready to weep with those who are weeping, right? And ready to reject people who provide that heart. We have people in the church God has given us who are very, very gifted at, at seeing how things ought to be organized and, and leading those things and making them very effective. We have all of those kinds of things. And so we come together to do those things with each other. How can that happen if we don't assemble. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, there were believers who were very much in a new normal. They had uh, been Jewish people who had come to understand that Jesus was indeed the Savior. They had placed their faith in him. They'd been born again. They were seeking to follow him. But then what they discovered is that Hey, when I was Jewish and in the synagogue, life was pretty simple and pretty easy. I've become this Christian now, and all of a sudden there's persecution going on. It may cost me something. Maybe I'll just slip back into the synagogue, and I'll still believe in Jesus, but I'm just going to lay low here. I'm going to stop getting together with the Christians. Okay? And so it says here in verse 23, he says, He's speaking to this group I'm talking about. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So we're supposed to look at each other. And this is not being judgmental or harsh or controlling, manipulating. It's just genuinely caring for each other and where are we at. And we want to stir up love between us and, and good works that God has for us to do. And then verse 25, he says, so this means not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. There are 62 one another statements and commands in the scripture referring to Christians. There's more if you just use the one another, but we're talking about how Christians relate to each other. Uh, 62. 37 of those are unique. Those different things. 37 different things. Hang on. I may have got that number backwards. No, that's right. 37 that are unique. And then there are 25 other ones that are repeated. 17 of those are some form of love each other. And, and that's... Love isn't... The kind of love God's talking about isn't when I sit at home and I think of you and I have fond feelings. Though I do, most of the time. <laughs> and vice versa, I'm sure. Okay? But it isn't that. No, this kind of love is an active love. It's a doing love. It's a connecting love. And so you think, for us to be these things and do these things, to, to be able to keep encouraging one another, not not turning, we have to assemble. We need to assemble. We need to assemble really for two big things here. First one is to worship together, okay? If you can go to that, Anthony, that'd be great. We need to worship together. There's something about coming together as God's people and saying, God, 
I mean, these songs today, you know, the, the words just so encouraged me. Sometimes the words challenge me. Sometimes the words break me and the music and, and to focus in on God and that. And then we pray together. And, and we open up the word of God together and say, God, what are you leading us to do? What are you telling us? Right? And, and the reality is, is that, that God oftentimes speaks differently to different people. We're all getting the same basic thing, but sometimes in your heart or my heart or someone else's heart, something a little special happens there. Okay? And so we need to worship together. And then we need to experience community together. Community is a nice word for this really the Bible kind of fellowship where we're making connections. You know, we need all kinds of input into our lives. If, if you want to be healthy physically, is broccoli good for you? Anybody here say absolutely not, right? I mean, there's times when I felt that way. No, broccoli is good for you, but if all you eat is broccoli, will you be healthy? No. You need more than broccoli, okay? So it is in the church. You need more than a worship service. You need more than that. You need ongoing nutrition. You need to have interaction with a group of Christians, other Christians. And, and this is where those gifts that I was talking about, the spiritual gifts, get played out so much. We need to be interacting with a group of other Christians on an ongoing basis. And I want to say, to, I really think it's because I'm experiencing it in my own life with someone. And um, that really, ideally, we need another one or two, a very small group of people where, maybe just one other person, where, you know, whether it's once a month or every other week, or, but we're getting together purpose, on purpose to help each other be what God wants us to be. We may be reading same scriptures or reading a book or whatever. It's just invaluable, very, very valuable to us, okay? And so we need to assemble to do these things, right? We do. <laughs> and so that's kind of hard, isn't it? Because we need to understand this, that you are not designed to live the Christian life on your own. You just aren't. Some of us are very good at going it alone. But it's affecting us negatively. It's affecting us negatively. Uh, I mean, I, uh, you know, my father who just passed away a couple weeks ago, as, we, as I look at his life and after my mom passed away, and that was so devastating to him, 49 and a half years, and he seemed like he's doing fine on the outside, but man, his life just got into an upheaval. But anyway, I don't know how long it was, five, six, seven years, basically he lived alone in his motor home with his two dogs. And as, as my brother and I have looked back on this, talked about this, and look at his life, that time, that, all that time that he spent alone was not a good thing for him. You know what I'm saying? It ended up producing things, because you miss things and you don't know it. You, you know, you think you're fine, but you're not. It does affect you. Now, don't miss the stand. I'm not saying, oh, you've got to be with everybody all the time. Please deliver me from that. I don't want that. I like my alone time. But man, I, I, could, I could be just live in a cave a lot of the time. But I need you. I need other Christians in my life. 
It is crucial we have it because we are not designed to live this life alone. So we must gather. That's the, we must gather. Um, and that brings us to the question, how in the world do we do that now in the new normal? So let me just throw out some ideas here, okay? And, and some of these ideas I feel pretty strong about. Other ones are still in a state of flux, figuring out where they go. But let me say this, the new normal should not be an inferior, less involved Christianity. That's not acceptable. Not acceptable to God, should not be acceptable to us. And right now, that's kind of where we're at, right? And, and I understand that. I, I know how, you know, it happens. We got here. So, but now how do we not be that anymore? Obviously, I already said, well, a weekly get-together for church-wide worship. That is something that every one of us need to do. Those of you who are watching, those of you who are here, we need a weekly get-together for church-wide worship. And so if you can come in person, please do, okay? Uh, and as Dave mentioned, we have people with different reasons why they can't be here. We get that. This is not judgmental on anybody. But if you can get here, please do. We still have room, even with the guidelines. We can put almost as many as we had before here, but using other rooms if we need to. And then get back in the habit. I know you guys are here, so I'm not saying I'm just talking to you guys who are watching. But whoever is, get back in the habit. And if you say, well, I never really was in that habit, maybe you ought to rethink that. Okay. Come every week, if possible. Every week. Not once a month, not twice a month, every week. And I want to challenge you, as much as it's in your control, sometimes it's not in your control, but as much as it's in your control, make your weekend plans around the church, not the other way around. Okay? That's how important this is. And if you can't come in person for some reason, that is okay. But we want you to make it a point to connect online for Sunday worship. And one of the things we want to do is when you come here to worship, you walk in the door, don't you? You see people. People wave, say hi. They, now they pretend like they're going to shake your hand. They don't. Uh, but you see people, there's, and there's an awareness. Of, well, yeah, I saw, you know, so-and-so. Or you see, And we are going to set up somehow, some way, online, uh, uh, as easy as we can, a way, if, if you're not able to be here, or you're not, you know, for some reason, that you still check in online. And I don't mean check in, I mean that you pop online, and you see somebody, and they see you, and they say, hi, how you doing? Yeah, well, we'll miss you today, but, you know, anything we can pray for you about, you know, how are things going? So that we're actually gathering? Because here's the thing, when you sit at home, and there's tremendous value about that. It is so easy not to be part of the gathering because you're watching. And we want to try to move out of that and say, no, we're gathering. We get it. You can't be here, but you're gathering with us there. And we want to help you with that. Okay. All right. Uh, another thing, I'm, I'm going to ask you, and we don't have these all lined out yet, but I'm going to ask you to be part of an online group every week. And, and don't think, oh, small group, and i got to go and spill my guts to everybody every week. I, nothing like that. Okay, I'm talking about, but where on purpose, you, there's a group of people that you connect with every week at some point online, maybe a half an hour, check in how you're doing, something, 
you know, encouraging from the Word or whatever. We're already doing that on Wednesday nights, and uh, we're going to try to do some more times. We may even try to start some that are for different people in, in the same life stage, you know, maybe families with young kids, right? And maybe one week we can have the dads on, and next week we can have the moms on while the other ones, you know, chase the kids around the house. We'll probably start a Life Source U class. That'd be another great way to get together. Uh, and I am going to strongly be encouraging you to, to start seeking out someone, one or two other people that you can say, hey, let's work on our Christian lives together. I said, nothing weird, but just, hey, let's read this book and let's just get this talk about it. Let's read this book this month and let's talk about it. What's it mean in our lives? And then you know each other and pray for each other. And maybe you get together every week. That's fine. Doesn't, whatever it is. And we'll try to help you with that as we go, for, you know, help people get connected if you need help. And, and there's probably ways that we have not even thought of. You know, you may have an idea that is going to be the thing that, wow, that is it, okay? So I ask you to be before God and say, God, how can we be gathering? How can we be the church? How can we do these things in this foreign land of mask and social distancing? And of course, these plans are not all in place. There are going to be new opportunities. I'm just challenging you to be a part of it. You, you say this to me. Say, really? Do I need to do all of that? I need to do all those things? Well, let me answer it this way. I took my kids, and I went there to years too, but to the dentist for years, and they had to sign up in the, the waiting room. And it, it was about flossing your teeth, and it said this. The question was, do I need to floss all of my teeth? No, just the ones you want to keep. Do you need to do all these things I'm talking about? And things? Well, no, you don't need to do them all. But you, what I want you to understand is that when you don't gather, you don't assemble, you don't be part of exercising these gifts, you aren't being on a regular basis. And Sunday morning for an hour is not sufficient. All right, if, you, if you're not doing this, it's going to affect you. There will be deterioration in your spiritual life. And I don't mean if it happens for a week or two or a month. I, I'm talking about ongoing. It will. This is so important. You need it. And so I guess the point comes down to what I said in the beginning there after we look at the passage in Jeremiah. Embrace the new normal by devoting yourself to what God has given you to do. And then do whatever it takes to accomplish it. Whatever it takes. You know, and don't make excuses to me because I'll buy them. But God knows the truth, right? He's the one you need to be thinking about. So, three quick things here. How about this? I want to challenge you, first of all, to decide now to be involved and supportive. Go ahead and decide ahead of time. I, I don't know what it's all going to mean. I'm going to follow the Lord and do whatever he wants me to do. And, and Walt tells you, you don't have to do everything Walt says to do. But you do need to find out what God wants you to do and do that. And that's what I'm asking you to do. Okay, decide now. I'm going to be involved, supportive, however the Lord leads me to do that. Secondly, give significantly, consistently, and sometimes sacrificially. All right? Not, it's just, not just because we have been hurt financially this area, but the idea is if we're going to be the church God wants us to be, in, in part two next week, we'll see more, there has to be money available. And if we all give what God wants us to give, we will have enough to do what God wants us to do. And if we don't have enough to do what 
we think we're supposed to do, then God may be changing our minds, our direction. But we all need to be doing what God wants us to do in the area of giving. And I'm not going to apologize for telling you that. It's to your benefit as well. Okay? We've got to carry out the mission. And then finally, and there's so many things we could put here, but pray on purpose. Pray on purpose for the church, its members, and God's working in us that we can carry out our mission in this new normal. And by the way, the new normal may become newer later on. We don't even know, right? But we need to settle this. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Let's pray right now. Father, thank you that you have called us into relationship with you. And I do pray, Father, that there's anybody here today or watching, and I didn't explain the gospel today, Father. But I pray if they have a yearning in their hearts to have a personal relationship with you, that they'd reach out and let us help them uh, to know how to do that. And I thank you, Father, that you have brought us into a relationship with you, that we are the church, that we are your body in this world to carry out your mission, your purposes, to make you known. And Lord, we need to be changed to do that and we need to assemble to do that and be gathered. All these things we talked about today, Father. Please stir our hearts. Please, uh, I'm going to ask you to make us uneasy, Lord, in our lives until we yield to you about whatever part of this you have spoken to us personally today. We want to glorify you. We want your best in our lives. And we know that that will be when we're about your business. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. I love you all. So glad that you're here today. So glad you're joining us online as well. And we look forward to seeing you someplace, okay, soon.